The Perfect PC Toolkit, three mail apps to make iOS better, help unlocking your phone, Raspberry Pi Model 2, and wait a minute, did net neutrality just get real? All that and more coming up on Tech Thing. Tech Thing is brought to you by viewers like you. If you get value from the show and we'd like to help feed Shannon and I, please consider contributing at patreon.com slash techthing. I'm Shannon Morse. And I'm Patrick Norton. And this is Tech Thing, where we make technology behave. At least on the good days. <laughs> Speaking of behaving, oh, okay, first of all, um, what? The what? RSS feeds are up. <gasps> if you have been looking what? for the ability, it's in the approval process at iTunes. I believe really? it will be compatible with TiVo. Maybe we'll have a Roku app, but at the moment, feedburner.com slash tech thing. It is up, it is running. I'm so excited about this. Restrain I'm sorry. Yourself. I'm sorry, I just get really excited about things when they work. I don't know, it's, it's, it, it, it seems to be working. Yay. So we have at least okay. the last two episodes up here and we'll Don't add... break it, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of behaving. Yes. Should, should we talk about this awesome FCC thing? Okay, so from the, we didn't expect that this morning department, the FCC is going to embrace net neutrality, give it a great big hug. Yay! By reclassifying broadband carriers and, well, making them treat all traffic on the internet equally. Oh my gosh, this is awesome. Yeah. Okay, so I have the link up here. So we basically, FCC Chairman Tom Wheeler dropped the news in an op-ed that he wrote for Wired.com calling them the strongest open internet protections ever proposed by the FCC. These enforceable bright line rules will ban paid prioritization and the blocking and throttling of lawful content and services. And he also said, I propose to fully apply for the first time ever those bright line rules to mobile broadband. My Proposal assures the right of internet users to go where they want, when they want, and the rights of innovators to introduce new products without asking for anyone's permission. Yeah, and this is this kind of came to a head last year when yeah. when the whole sort of Netflix was like, we want to connect. Was... No, no, no. You can pay for more bandwidth. Pay to play. Pay to play. Um, so it's going to be interesting. Later on this month, the FCC will vote on changing its 2002 policy that classified broadband as an information service and not a telecommunications service. This will bring broadband providers under Title II common carrier status, which is what the court said had to happen before the FCC could regulate it. Ooh. I'm oversimplifying. There will be court battles, and yes. I expect huge outcries in Congress, and it'll be interesting because I think some of those cries are going to be from either side of the aisle, as they say. True. Because the telecom, basically, the broadband companies have been spending lots of money. And oh, you, yeah. you know, AT&T, Comcast, Verizon, they like lobbying. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. If you don't know who your representative or your senators are, it is time to figure out who they are and talk to them if you think this is a good idea. Some very thoughtful analysis up at EFF.org. Huge win for the open internet. FCC officially embraces Title II. Yes. Well, yes, but it's for, you know, so there's five people that, that chair the FCC and they got to vote on this. And then of course we'll see the court battles yep. and then we'll probably see congressional activity. So it is, it is good. I like this. I like the idea that everybody has to make the internet work. Agreed, especially as a content content creator. This creator. is this is important. This us. is good. Yes. Good Eating things. Us. So moving on, we got an email from Josh at ask at techthing.com. He said, I was hoping that you guys could help me out with this. I am waiting to get a computer toolkit, but I do not know if I should get a kit or make my own. Some help with this would be nice from Josh. Thank you, Josh. Hi Josh. 97% of building a desktop computer Boom! is a Phillips screwdriver. Mm -hmm. 
Boom. Toolkit. Easy. Done. You built it yourself. <laughs> um, I'm a big fan of having some kind of a pair of forceps. What is that? Keep that thing away from me. That's creepy and you, scary looking. You mock these until uh, there's that screw that's falling down in the back of the case and you're it. like, la, 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 la. Um, <laughs> you know, needle nose pliers. Basically, you know, these two tools cover 90% of my problems when I'm building a PC. Yeah. Um, I probably should have an anti-static band. Q, email, ask at techthink.com. You did not mention static static yes. bands. I have been building computers literally for over 25 years, all but two without anti-static bands, and we haven't had a problem. So I'm just saying. I only used an anti-static band for my very last computer that I built, and before that, my dad never mentioned it to me, yeah. so I never used one. So you know, desktop PCs, basically, you're good to go. Yeah. It's when you start wanting to add memory to your laptop, fix a phone or a tablet or right. change a battery that things, uh, or maybe clean out the fans in your laptop that things get more complicated. Then it's sure. time to get a set of what they call jewelers or precision screwdrivers. Okay. You go to like, this is a Home Depot page, go to the big box store. These are actually pretty good. The Husky 8-1 Precision Screwdriver set slotted in Phillips. They sell for like six bucks. It's got nice. all the basic tips on there. Um, here's the thing though. But when you get into stuff like a late model MacBook, you right. need they the use those weird uh, pentalobe. pentalobe. That's the name. For I refer to it. them those as the so sucktastic pentalobe screwdrivers <laughs> um, because they're a pain. They are literally a little five-pointed star, um, which is one of the reasons why I happen to like this. This is iFix's Protex screwdriver set. It's got a bunch Yay. of drivers you probably won't find in the shelves of that big box hardware store. It's sixty dollars. It's not cheap, but these are wonderful tools. Mm -hmm. um, it's you know, and I should point out, I have been sponsored by. By iFixit in the past, yep, but disclaimer, I was, both of us yeah, have. I was buying stuff from them before they started becoming a sponsor. But these are really cool. So you know, that's an expensive kit for most people. It's sixty dollars for a set of screwdrivers. Um, I use them constantly, though. The Protect Toolkit, if you want to buy a kit, is pretty awesome. Um, it basically has their fifty-four bit driver kit, which you can oh, buy wow. separately for twenty-five bucks. That has the pentalobe screws in it, and even the screw you need to take apart, like McDonald's toys. Okay. Um, but you get that for sixty bucks. You get that bundled in with the Protect Toolkit, which includes spudgers and suction cups and prying tools and everything you need to basically break stuff open so you can fix it. Cool. Um, you know, if you want to get a traditional computer toolkit, this is a nice one from Newegg. It's the Rosewill RTK 45, 45 piece premium computer toolkit. It's pretty cool, right? But it's got this giant driver that's not going to fit in small corners of your case, but it has an extended Phillips screwdriver tip, which helps. Um, you know, you've got like, well, okay, Allen keys. I love the fact that it has this bundle of extra parts with it, but generally speaking, there's a bunch of tools in here that you might not use so much. Tweezers are nice. It's got a basic precision screwdriver, uh, something to yank EEPROMs. Should you need to yank an EEPROM, a wire stripper? It's a good kind of start on a general toolkit. Um, but most of those tools you aren't going to need unless you're working on ancient machines or working something beyond electronics. Um, you know, I will say like, Whoa, you know, well, what okay. is this beast? This is like one 455th of my tool collection. Oh gosh. Um, you know, it's funny, like, like at this point I basically have a garage that is 50% tools. Um, you know, so, okay, <laughs> we've got- Do we even have medicine in here? That's basic, awesome. Basic, <laughs> well, okay, yeah. I, I keep Tylenol in my toolkit that I work with computers. Oh, and okay, we've got Thermalrite, the chill factor oh, yeah, for mounting sense. processors. Um, you know, somewhere at the bottom of my knapsack is a multimeter, which mm -hmm. was in this case when I left the house this morning. Oh, look, you know, pentalobe oh. screwdriver, various and sundry Q-tips, a paper clip, which is uh, all you need to remove stuck CDs in most cases, yep. Blu-rays or DVDs. Okay, we've got some spudgers, some prying tools, 
uh, a modified dental tool I used to use to pry open a particular brand of case, um, the USB with all the basic fix-it software I do, and then at the bottom, because I can't be bothered to find a uh, Altoids tin, oh is giant piles of screws. So this is this is not how your toolkit should be organized. That's but, awesome. Um, you know, I mean, my running joke is is that my tool collection has kind of accreted like a reef, like the Great Barrier Reef in the back of my garage. Oh my gosh, it's just building on top of itself. And yeah. You can never find the originals. Yeah. Somewhere at the point, there's going to be like I don't know. I mean, but I also have tools for welding and yeah. fabrication and fixing the house and you know fixing the cars and yeah, you, working with. You do a lot of hands-on stuff like that, building and modding and whatnot. I'm a very DIY kind of guy. For myself, since all I do is building computers or I'll mess with, you know, little circuitry products, this is all I need. Yeah, pretty much. Until you break a screen and then it's out with True. the spudgers and stuff. And then I call Patrick and be like, can I borrow that iFixit toolkit, please? Yeah. Thank you. Um, it's more like this, I guess, now. But, yeah, no, it's holding the flat thing up to your head. But literally like, you know, if you're just building desktop PCs, a Phillips screwdriver has you covered. Yeah. Um, as you start breaking into devices to fix them, especially phones and tablets, you know, it's amazing what you can do with a suction cup, a couple of guitar picks, and a spudger, oh. which is a generic name for a plastic prying tool. smart. Of course, if you guys have questions, ask at techthing.com. But first, I'm curious. You wanna know what's happening over at Hack5? I do. Yeah? Yeah, we're going to Darren. I know. No, Darren is actually on vacation, <laughs> so I'm just going to tell you what's going on over at Hack5. So In three, two. <gasps> I host a show called Hack5 with Darren Kitchen, and that's the other show that we do over here in the warehouse. So we do everything from builds and mods and all sorts of hacks. So this week I'm checking out pulse width modulation when dealing with light emitting diodes or LEDs. And Darren, Darren's actually showing off some of his ultimate travel drones for his trip that he's taking to Europe for like the next month. So definitely check it out over at hak5.org and back to tech thing. <laughs> We're back, and it's now time for a rapid fire round. This is where we'll answer three different questions, give three different recommendations, or review three different products in less than a minute each. And this week, Patrick has got three different mail apps for his iPhone because Apple's mail app that originally comes with it is kind of to suck because I don't like it. Well, yeah, okay, so I didn't realize how irritating the mail application built into iOS 7, iOS and iOS was until I went to Android and then came back to an iPhone. No. I love Gmail's interface in Chrome and Android, uh, and that's what made me realize just exactly how much Apple's mail app kind of stinks. Yeah. Outlook for the iPad and iOS new in the last couple weeks, kind of. It's actually a rebrand of a Compli or a Compli, an app Microsoft bought back. Uh, in December, when you install it, it'll tell you it wants to like manage your email addresses, manage your calendars and contacts, view and manage your files in Google Drive, and if you accept, you get to add another account or start a tour that explains the focused inbox. You can classify emails by importance as in focused or other. Then you can schedule messages to return at any time you choose, swipe to archive, swipe to delete uh, emails. Uh, attach files directly from Dropbox, Google Drive, OneDrive. It supports Google, Yahoo, iCloud, Outlook.com, Exchange. It's free, and Microsoft is promising weekly updates. Expect lots of enterprise-friendly additions. Um, but the interface, I gotta say, I really like the interface, and being able to swipe to both archive and delete is a huge deal in my book. And the calendar integration is actually 
pretty Ooh. awesome. So I was pretty stoked about that. It looks very organized. It is very organized. Um, and then you kind of get to the extreme of organized, which is mailbox. Mm. It is the poster child for seriously alternate ways of handling email, except it's still email. Um, it's available on OS X, iPhone, iPad, Android. It was acquired by Dropbox a while back, um, the, the mailbox team. It's all about high-speed email handling and swiping. So the idea is that swipe right to archive, left to assign a time later on to respond to it. And the app's goal, because basically if you swipe left, you pick like later today, tomorrow evening, tomorrow, this weekend, next week, in a month, someday. I particularly like the someday Yes. <laughs> um, but the app's goal is to get you to mailbox zero, as it were. Um, which might thrill you or it might irritate the snot out of you um, because it's like, hey, if you do this, you can get your mailbox down to zero. So yeah. I got 26,000 emails because I've been using this account for a decade. And it's, oh my gosh. It's a long story. Um, if they come out with a Windows version of Mailbox, I will finally have a good use for the touchscreen on my laptop, and that makes it really, really tempting. <laughs> finally, Gmail on iOS is duh, all about email. It's a shockingly clean and usable interface for a Google app. Seriously, I gotta say, whoever designed this app should be doing more design work for Google. Um, it's really, really simple. You get a big old stream. You open it up, um, it launches with your primary Gmail inbox, and you can read your threads, which is pretty obvious, but when you swipe or hit the little menu category at the top, you get your social promotions, um, and you can go into all of your different categories in your Gmail account. So what they've actually done, it's clear, it's simple, you can have multiple accounts, um, and seriously, if you miss the Gmail interface on your iPhone, it's worth the free download just to check it out. Um, just make sure you don't do what I did, which is set notifications to all new mail, uh, unless uh. you want all the notifications. And actually, it's kind of funny because I have two email apps simultaneously notifying me about all of my Gmail. I'll be turning this off uh, immediately no. after the show. No, because like literally That's like... That's going to be annoying. Yeah, it's, it's like a giant puke stream of, of notifications about, you yeah, know, there's a sale. Happen. Bob's emailed you. Somebody else has something else. And I'm like, oh, goodness. Plus, no privacy. Got a quick question for us. It can be anything. You can tweet at TechThing, post on Facebook.com slash TechThing, or email us ask at TechThing.com, and we'll do our best to answer it for you. Let's take a moment to thank one of our sponsors. Then we're going to talk about unlocking your new phone and the new Raspberry Pi 2. This episode of Tech Thing is brought to you by viewers like you. If you're enjoying the show, please consider donating over at our Patreon at patreon.com slash techthing. You can donate a nickel, a dime, or even $5 per episode, and that contribution goes directly back into the show production. And remember, if you can't donate, no worries. We would love it if you would share the show with your friends, subscribe on YouTube, or just send us your questions on your favorite social network. Thank you again so much for supporting the show. Got a question from Tom. He writes, any tips on unlocking a phone without having to pay the 50 bucks that some companies want? Yes! Totally! <laughs> Sorry, that's my answer. Yes! Well, and, <laughs> well, we should point out, right, there's, there's, there's unlocking phones and there's unlocking phones that you really haven't paid for because you haven't finished out the terms of your contract. Exactly. Yeah. So I'll get into that. So okay. first off, there are plenty of ways. I actually ran into this problem a few weeks ago when I was reselling my old iPhone and my old Nexus from AT&T and Verizon. So I was like, what do I do? So here's what you do for the top four mobile carriers in the US. Obviously, this might be different if you have a different mobile carrier. So first off, we have Verizon, which does not have a very exciting website, but they make it pretty easy. Their phones are sold unlocked for the most prepaid and postpaid terms of service. And this includes monthly service, all your plans, your service, which is what I have, etc, etc. So all you have to do is go to that website, 
read up on their terms and conditions, and then you can just call them up and be like, hey, is my phone unlocked? Because it probably already is. My phone's already unlocked, so I can take it to Japan. Yay! Yay! Second off, we have T-Mobile. They will send you an unlock code within two days of requesting it. It is free of charge, and it does allow you to use your phone on any compatible carrier. You must fulfill your terms with T-Mobile, and the device can't be recorded as stolen or lost, etc., etc. because if it is, you could be purposely trying to unlock it and then run away with a stolen phone. So that's never good. <laughs> and then third, of course, we have AT&T. AT&T, pretty much they do the same thing as T-Mobile. You need an unlock code. I did this with my iPhone from AT&T, so I got it within 24 hours in my case, and that was over the weekend too. They just sent me an email and they were like, it's ready, put in this code. And I was like, okay, cool. And then it said, all right, restart your phone, it's unlocked. It was super easy. So I just mm -hmm. had to plug my phone into my PC. It was an iPhone. So I fired up iTunes and then factory reset the iPhone itself. So again, same terms have to be fulfilled. It can't be lost or stolen, yada, yada, yada. And then fourth, we have Sprint. So Sprint has another site where they do a master unlock code and it pretty much works the same way. Of course, if I didn't mention your mobile carrier in specificity, uh, you can contact them directly. You will need the carrier's okay before unlocking your phone unless it's already sold unlocked. And providers will do this for you as long as your contractual obligations are fulfilled. Also, there's a really, really handy website I wanted to mention too. Fulfilling your contractual obligations and not stealing phones yeah. are two big things. Just don't steal phones and make sure you finish paying for the phone. Right. That's the most important part. Uh, FCC has a website here, which they recently updated. And this is basically because the law has been changed as of, I believe, last year. Uh, there was a, uh, the president signed right. a thing where he said, hey, unlocking is cool now. So it goes into effect for like two years and then Congress can do another revision of it. They can change it back to unlocking being illegal again. But right now it is- it Depends on who's spending the most money and whether or not it's an election <laughs> year, I bet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so if you want to read up more on what unlocking is and how you can go about it and how the terms are read as far as the FCC is concerned, I definitely suggest reading up on it and reading up on your current carriers for unlocking as well. So you don't end up like completely wasting your time if you're still under some kind of contract with them. Right. I had to pay AT&T like 200 bucks before because that was my cancellation fee. Right. But I was fine with it because I ended up saving because I went to like a $30 plan with T-Mobile. So it was, I saved so much money. Then I just so sold the iPhone. <laughs> yeah, no, that's Yay, what I love math. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just, yes. But I'm so glad we can unlock phones legally now. Yay! It never really bothered me violating the law. But then again, I crack Blu-rays <gasps> that I own. <gasps> Oh my goodness, I cannot wait to. So uh, along with the FCC news this week, uh, Raspberry Pi 2 dropped out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, I cannot wait to get my hands on the Raspberry Pi 2. Kind of love this thing. So I was checking out their website. They have a nice little write-up about it. It's 35 bucks, and it has its 900 megahertz quad-core ARM Cortex-A7 CPU, which means it's six times faster. They're claiming it's six times faster. They're six claiming times. there's enough horsepower now to actually use it as a legit desktop. What? Which is really crazy because along with like the Linux distros we know and love, you know. So weird. Yeah, so it's uh, GNU Linux yeah. distros. 
And then they also say that it can run this version of Windows 10 specifically for the Raspberry Pi 2. That's kind of crazy awesome. Apparently they've been working straight with Microsoft to get that hap to happen. Now, of course, they right. did also mention on their website that the Raspberry Pi 2 isn't going to be replacing the original models. Mm -hmm. um, and it does have the same ports in the same place right. and it still takes the same kind of micro USB charger for your wall. So still five volts and everything. So you can still use it with all your original mm -hmm. accessories as well. It should fit, so the Raspberry Pi 2 should fit in a Raspberry Pi B plus case. Yeah. Um, if you were frustrated by the USB charging, you're still going to be frustrated by the USB charging. That was interesting because I was tweeting about this. And a lot of people are like, ah, I have to connect the USB. <laughs> like, sorry. Um, but I'm really curious to see the performance because that opens up more opportunities for servers. Yes. And, you know, I mean, I would also like to see USB 3.0 on mm -hmm. it or, you know, a Thunderbolt port. It'll come. I'm insane. It'll come. No, the Thunderbolt port's not coming. But it's well, also... USB 3.0 it's also a really interesting test for Microsoft with Windows because right? they're saying there's going to be one Windows 10. It's going to be a service, not mm -hmm. something you pay for every couple of years. It's going to be something they're going to keep throwing updates at. So the idea is that, hey, if we can get it to run on this ARM processor, then it can run on all of this other cool stuff it's on the Internet cool. of Things. Um, so I'm actually looking forward to get my hands on it because you know I'm running the latest Windows 10 technical preview. Oh, did you order one? Uh, I ordered one. Oh. I ordered one. It's funny because... Like, uh, well. Uh, my buddy from Dietrion, Michael Hand, found the announcement that went up on the Register UK at midnight Ooh. on Sunday. And I spent the next few hours trying to get on the Element 14 webpage, which was down. Oh, well, first no. they didn't have it, and then it was down, and they finally got on, and I finally got it ordered. Um, so it's either going to arrive this week or the end of February. I can't tell you. <laughs> so we're, we're, we, we've made inquiries to try to get one in because we want to build a project for you guys immediately with it and demo it. Because I'm really, I mean, it'd be really cool I know, if you could I have a $35 Windows PC or a $35 I Linux PC. I want to bite it. Well, we, we, well <laughs> no. But bite your own Raspberry Pi. But the but we tried to use the Raspberry Pi, like the Raspberry Pi B plus as a desktop and it just didn't have enough horsepower yeah. to work with a GUI. Which meant if you were, you know, good working in a command line environment, you were fine. Then it was fine. But but yeah. most people don't want to use a command line environment in the twenty first century with a computer, which is a thing, I suppose. I don't know. Maybe we should all go command line. That should be our next step. I'm okay with that. The Internet of Things I, I know command line, kind of. I want to control ninja. my drone via command line. Take the Parrot AR and go command line with it. Oh, and actually something I should add. Some, some people are like, I don't understand why you didn't like the Parrot AR. Parrot AR is cool, but the skills you learn piloting the Parrot AR, you have to turn around and relearn when you move to almost any other drone, whether it's a Phantom DJI or an inexpensive drone or a DIY drone. It's the control system that was more frustrating yeah, than anything else. Yeah, I get else. that. But, you know, that and replaceable batteries. If you plan to take a child to the park with a drone, buy a bunch of batteries before you go. Because there's nothing oh, sadder man. than seven minutes of flight and a sad walk oh, back to the house to kids. go recharge. Yeah, this has been an exciting show. RSSs and awesome new Raspberry Pi 2s and all sorts of exciting Can I, can I show? I'm just, one more time. Feeds.feedburner.com slash tech thing. He's so proud of himself, guys. Because I've been trying to get this to work for the last he's, week. He's been so frustrated <laughs> trying to make this thing work. I suck at RSS. breaking and, yeah, it's so confusing. So it's working. So let us know if you have issues with it. Yes, do please us do favor. let us know so we know which, which items that we need to fix with the RSS. We want to make sure that it's perfect for you guys. And I think that wraps up this episode. Okay. Yeah, yeah he's like, I'm going to keep on going. So if, if you like, you like it, it, please subscribe at techthing.com. That's right. Or youtube.com slash C slash techthing. And hey, if you haven't backed up that phone since you already cracked your screen on it, you might want to go do that 
But remember, once in a while, you got to put down your phone so you don't crack it, and then you got to step away from your screen oh, I can't close my before screen. you crack it, <laughs> and close your laptop, and do something analog. I can close my screen this week. Like, like Legos. Legos. With friends! Okay, mock me if you will. <laughs> I, I have the joy of building Legos it. with my children all the time. This was so fun. Um, Norm and Will from Tested, I got to basically build some giant Lego kits, have a free-range conversation, uh, talking about like tech and movies and so Legos cool. and all sorts of mayhem. What did you build? Uh, with the crew from Tested. Um, oh, goodness. So the first thing we built was this crazy Lego ideas. They're birds. Well, they're, yeah, and they're crazy. They're awesome. I built a hummingbird. Um, which was unbelievably fun. And it's then, so adorable. It is adorable. Well, then we turned around and built a 1,500-piece uh, Maersk Triple E carrier, carrier, container oh, okay. ship. okay, that's, that's pretty cool. This was, it took us the better part of three and a half hours, all of us working simultaneously. I didn't realize, because awesome. I'm mostly with giant bags of Legos and then the Duplo trains with my youngest. Mm -hmm. It was a hoot to realize how insanely complicated these models have gotten. This was 1,500 pieces. This is a $150 Lego Jeez. kit. But you know what? But it was a real hoot, huh? Uh, what? Well, you know, Norm <laughs> applied the stickers, which was awesome, because if I applied the stickers, we never would have finished it. It's really cool. Anyhow, thanks to crew at Tested.com. If you haven't checked it out, you should. You might know a couple of the people involved with Tested, uh, as, as Adam and Jamie. Oh, yes, From a certain show involving myths. I, I, I think I recall what show you might be talking they, about. They do some amazing builds on that. Tested.com, and uh, we want to thank them for having me. Yes, thank you. I'm Patrick Norton. <laughs> I'm Shannon Morris. We'll see you next week on Tech Thing. Can my voice get more high pitched? Ready? I'm going to say that means yes. To modest directly, please consider contributing at patreon.com slash tech thing. Thank my children. Please. And Shannon. Feed <laughs> Shannon and my children. If you enjoyed getting this show, like I said, you like the show. First time doing it. Hey, you like the show? It's hey, you like the show? Happened to it. <laughs> you can ensure the show is contagious. Do you like the show? We're back, and it's ten. It's contagious. Yeah. <laughs> Are you doing a happy dance? <laughs> Look at them! Look at them all! Look at all these people right here! All the people! Look at them. Hey dude, what's up? How you doing? Yeah, it was so nice to meet you. You're an awesome dude. Thank you. Thank you, too. It's like that Clint Eastwood thing. Bob, awesome. <laughs> so glad that you came by. <laughs>